to do this, for both of us to join together. So those of us who are already in the Zoom, thank you for coming today. We thought that we were going to be able to take our Zoom and then project it, live cast it all the way to Facebook for everyone to join us. But Zoom or Facebook or both must be having server issues, so we were not able to do that. So we're doing two things at once. We have a large portion of our disciples with us on Zoom. And so you can see this right here, those who are on the live feed. You can see we have quite a bit of our folks, right? Everybody say hi or wave rather, wave. Uh, praise God. This is uh, what we consider our church. We consider our church to be our disciples. So if you are in the 101 or 201, you got a link to our Zoom and you're there right now. The rest of you get to be a disciple and you'll get the link. So join the discipleship and you'll be in that circle right there. Sometimes people say, well, do you guys have clicks in your church? Yeah, the click is called discipleship. Be a disciple, join the click, okay? Now for the rest of you across the country who can't be a disciple, well, welcome to our live Metro Praise International service. If you have any prayer requests, put them out right now or, or type them out rather under the comment section of this video. And we'll make sure to pray for you via the ones who are here in this room, in the chat room that you can't see, but I can see. We'll make sure to pray for you. So you put that out there right now. We care for you. Also, if you're interested in giving, because we should give even in the time of famine, just like we give in the time of abundance, we'll put up that link right now for you to do online giving. Greetings to everyone here. I've got a word from the Lord. Are y'all ready? Come on. I want to talk about it being game time. Somebody say it's game time. Amen. It is game time, folks. And a part of this culture that we're going through right now is to understand when it's game time and when it's training time. Now, when the culture seems to be doing great and everything seems to be doing fine, well, we as the church, we're going to be just like everybody else. We're going to be training, going to church, meeting, doing all of those wonderful things like everybody else does because it's easy breezy time. But I'll tell you what, when things get tough, it becomes game time for the church. See, when it becomes tough for everybody else, that's when we're ready. So practice time, think about it like this, folks. Practice time is when it's easy for everybody. Practice time is when the culture, they all know their right hand from their left. They know not to go out and buy a whole bunch of toilet paper. That's, that's our practice time. We go out and preach and all of that, and everybody's just thinking life is so easy. But when it becomes game time is when everybody else's life starts falling apart. Come on, somebody. The church is ready. See, the church is ready when it's game time, because while they were enjoying life just as it was, we were practicing. And so if you think about in the time of Esther, Esther knew when it was game time. Esther knew when it was time to step up and do what she had to do. If you don't know the story of Esther, it's a basic story. It's a good story. It's about a woman who was a Jewish woman living under the oppression of the empire of Persia and the Medes and the Persians and these bad folks that were overcoming and taking over her nation. And this king wanted to have all the women that he wanted as wives. Well, eventually he stumbles up on, uh, 
He stumbles up on Esther and brings her in because she was a hot mama. She said that, uh, you know, God gave her, you know, that extra blessing of hotness that she owed it all to the Lord and what her mama gave her. And so he said, I want that one. But she, he didn't know that when he picked out her and picked out Esther that she, she was a woman of God. And the long story short is people hated the Jews and somebody tried to make a plan to destroy the Jews. But Esther was there and outwitted that fool. And at the end of the day, the Jews came out on top. And now they celebrate a festival because of that. But, but here's the thing. She didn't freak out when it came to the point of this plan, this plot trying to murder all of her people. She stepped up and says, game time. I know what I need to do. And she said these words, for such a time as this, I've been brought to the kingdom of God. That's in Esther chapter 414. She understood that her destiny was tied into the problems of her culture. So while everybody else was just doing their own thing, she understood like, man, this is game time for me. She said, for if, uh, or rather, uh, this is uh, Mordecai speaking to Esther, for when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer to her. So Mordecai's her uncle, rather. He's going to encourage her, and then she's going to adopt these words as her, her words, okay? She's going to take this model, like, just do it. Like, she's going to take that as her model from Mordecai. Mordecai said, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father, father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And so we have to understand that we have been positioned in the world for such a time as this. We ain't scared. This is why we're here, baby. We're prepared. Come on, somebody say, I'm not scared, I'm prepared. And I'm not just talking about being in your bunker. I'm not just talking about you storing up on toilet paper. How many know y'all going to do that now? How many know you're going to do that now? I mean, y'all, the world is crazy. I'm not letting them take toilet paper away from me next time. You know, I'd be, if anybody asks me when they see me like, you know, 10 years from now, why are you hoarding all this? Because people are crazy. That's why I'm hoarding all this now because, I, you know, they couldn't behave themselves. So did I become a hoarder by choice? No, I became a hoarder because they forced me to be one. But anyways, think about it like this. Everybody can be scared, but you can be prepared. Everybody can be freaking out and you can be like, man, this is game time. Just like in the military. Think about it. Just like in the military, they train for war. War happens. And what do we do? We run away. <laughs> we get scared. Everybody's leaving. That's why when you look at the Middle East and all of these men are coming over to our country, it's like, no, man, you stay and fight in Afghanistan, son. I don't care if you just got a stick, pick up that stick and fight. That's what we had to do when we were fighting against the British. We had to fight. Come on. That's what you have to do against these Muslim terrorists. Stop running and coming over here, man. You got to fight for your land. We don't just give it up to them. And so listen. The military is trained on good days, on good days when the birds are chirping, when everything's going good. The military's out there, uh, you know, training for live, you know, weapons to be firing at them. You know, I've seen that, that, you know, maybe back in the day, I don't know if they do that now, but they would fire live weapons over the places they would crawl. I know that they use live weapons when they practice. I mean, but it's a beautiful day for everybody else. But for them, they are in a place of war because they're practicing for real war. That when that real war comes, 
They're like, boom, I know what to do. I'm used to these weapons going off. I'm used to hearing explosions. I'm used to everything going to hell in a handbasket. This is what I was prepared for. Come on, somebody say, I was prepared for this. You see, Esther had to recognize her time and place and know that it was game time, even in the midst of her, her people trying to be killed. And that's why we go to the scriptures in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, we see that there's a time for everything. And so in our church, I hope you understand this, that we've never told you there's not a time for disease or famine or pestilences. As a matter of fact, there's going to be a time for that and even in a more intense time than what we're in right now. Come on, somebody. Don't be scared. Be prepared for all these different seasons because all these different seasons have reasons. Look at Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. Let me tell you, folks, you're going to die. Some of us are going to die miserable, painful deaths. Some of us are going to die in pain. And so we just need to get over it. You're going to die. I mean, I'm happy that I'm not going to die today, Lord willing. I'm going to see the end of the day. I'm happy my children aren't going to die today. And we can live with, you know, our minds set on life and all that. But we all someday, baby, I am going to die. I am not going to make it. And I might die painful. So there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal. Man, there's a time for war, baby. There's a time when you heal people and then there's a time where you kill people. Understand the difference. Now, we're not, if we're not in the military, we're not in war. Don't you kill nobody right now over toilet paper. Are you listening to me? Bible says there's a time to tear down and there's a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Come on, there's a time to dance, somebody. There's a time to also cry. You better know what season and the reason you're in that season for. There's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather the stones. And, and there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Oh, uh, y'all didn't even know social distancing was in the Bible. Man, they had quarantines in the Bible. They had essential oils in the Bible. They had a way to check if you were clean to come back around those who are clean. You know, I mean, the Bible's got this whole thing all wrapped. There's a time to embrace and there's a time to forbid embracing. So it's biblical to quarantine when people are sick. A time to search and a time to give up. You can't be looking for that thing forever. You got to at some point give up. Our neighbor had their trampoline, uh, you know, they took it apart to paint it and make it look cool, put it back together, and they lost one of the springs. Now, she could be out there, the wife could be out there till 3 in the morning looking for it if she didn't find it already, or she can go to bed. you got to know when it's time to look and when it's time to go to bed and say, hey, man, that's, that's it, I lost that thing, that thing's over. Bible says there's a time to keep and there's a time to throw away. Come on, somebody. You got to learn how to throw away stuff in your house. You got to learn how to throw away the things that you got clutter in your life. But you got to know what to keep as well. The Bible says there's a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. I mean, there are times when I'm arguing with people. I'm just like, you know, on the streets preaching. And I'm like, okay, we're done. We're done. And I'm walking away. There's other ones that I keep speaking while they're walking away. I'm like, what you scared for? You know, you got to know the difference. Come on, somebody say in marriage, in marriage, I need to know when to be silent and when to speak. If you next to your loved one, give them a Holy Ghost elbow right now. You know there's a time to be silent, men. Can I hear an amen and a time to speak? A time to love and a time to hate. 
Now, this doesn't mean in the New Testament that we hate the way the world hates. But man, I love Muslims, but I hate Islam. I love Roman Catholicism, but uh, I love Roman Catholics, but I hate Roman Catholicism. Love the sinner, hate the sin. Are you all listening? There's a time to hate stuff and be like, man, I don't like Mormonism. I hate it. I hate that Joseph Smith had a bunch of wives, taught people they could become gods and borrowed a lot of his rituals from the Masonic Lodge. I hate that, but I love a Mormon. Come on, somebody. A time for war and a time for peace. We better get with it. In summary, there is a time, there is a time for practice, and there's a game time. You see, in sports, you practice when nobody's really around, when everything is at peace, when there's no stands in the, you know, no fans in the stands shouting at you. You know during that time I can make a mistake and still get better. You gotta know how to practice in a sport, but then when that game time comes, mistakes count now. Mistakes are going to be held against you. You don't get to redo that play over again. You might, in practice, be able to redo a play. You might be able to say, well, let's not switch positions. Let's try this. But when game time comes, that stuff really counts. And right now is where it counts. I'm not saying that Christianity is never a time when it doesn't count. But I'm so glad that right now people are realizing how much it does count. Because too many people in church have been fishing in a barrel. Too many Christians have been going around acting like this is our home the way it is. And this is not our home the way it is. There is judgment coming to this earth. Now, you might say, well, pastor, you're one of those guys that says every bad thing that happens, God, judgment, act of God, as they call it with insurance companies, hurricane, act of God, disease, act of God. Well, I want you to understand my answer. It's both yes and no. And we have to know how to discern yes and no. Let me, let me, which one it is. Let me, let me start from the beginning. Yes, all acts of tragedy are father filtered. I can't get around that if I'm a Bible believing Christian, that no matter what happens, God has already filtered it through his plan. And so God is allowing for a reason and a season, hurricanes, earthquakes, diseases, so forth. I mean, if you believe in God, you got to believe he's got this thing under control. Unless you think he's up there in heaven looking at that thing like you look at something you're confused over. You know, is he confused over this? Like sometimes, you know, you, you or I are putting together a project or trying to build something and it doesn't come out right. We're like, what do I have here? What happened? Is that God? Of course not. God is looking at this earth and he's going, that's the way I, I determined it to be. Now, why did he determine it to be filled with violence, anger, hate, and all of those things and diseases and earthquakes because of our sin? The moment we sinned, we lost this bubble of peace and protection over our world. The world that God originally created for his original purpose was to be in a bubble of peace, was to be in a bubble of love, was to be protected from all kinds of diseases, all kinds of anger, all kinds of hate and evil, etc. And what happened was when we sinned, we broke that bubble. The devil got to come and bring his lies and destruction through sinful behavior. And then God's blessing over the earth was taken away. Just as if you go outside without an umbrella, it's not the umbrella's fault you're getting wet now if it's raining. It's your fault because you didn't bring the umbrella. If we go out and sin and God's blessing, his canopy gets out of our lives, it's not God's canopy and God's blessing at fault because we're experiencing a curse. Now, does this mean, as I teach, I like to correct these things because does it mean that if a child is born sick, that means that individual parents sin. No, that's superstition, and God corrected that in the, in the New Testament. But what it does mean is if any child is born sick and died, it's, it dies, it's because our original parents, Adam and Eve, sin. 
And if anybody thinks to themselves, well, that's so unfair, we're judged by Adam and Eve, I wish I would have had a chance at this. My friends, listen to me. You wouldn't have done any better than Adam or Eve. God gave us the best when he gave us Adam and Eve. And so if he would have hit delete with them and then brought you up and waited to go through all of humanity, we would fail over and over and over and over again. We are here in this condition because we have sin. And those of you who say, well, man, that's so unfair. I wish he would just end it all. No, no, no. Listen to me. If he ends it all, we all go to hell. You don't get to go to heaven with all your wickedness and sin. When God created Adam and Eve, he created in his mind the entire human race for as far as that will go in their lineage. So you only had, once God decided to create, one of two options. Go to hell with Adam and Eve, honestly, and, and, and there because that's God's justice, or you get to have a chance of re reverting from the curse. Reverse the curse. Somebody say, reverse the curse. And so I thank God that when he decided to make humanity free and he saw further in the future we would sin and that that would cause a lot of pain and destruction, he still chose to create us because he knew he would reverse the curse and give us a chance to be with him in heaven. Now everybody get this right here. If you don't like hell on earth, this ain't, this ain't entirely hell, but listen, if you don't like hell on earth, what you see, sickness, disease, uh, turmoil, mental anguish, then repent of your sins and go to heaven, lest you are eternally separated from God. Let me summarize quickly here before I get to the message. Somebody say it's the introduction. And I'm not even lying here. This is the introduction. Let me, let me, let me just bring it back. Rewind this for everybody here. There is a time for everything. The reason why there's a time for good and bad things is because we have sinned and we're under the curse. If you say, I don't believe in God in any of those things, then you should be shouting. You should be excited that coronavirus is around because it's survival of the fittest. You should be injecting it to as many people as you can because those who can uh, build up an immune system to it will be a stronger race moving forward. So if you're not a lunatic uh, person today and you actually care about people dying that's because you know something was uh, right but now it's gone wrong and and we need to fix it now what's the big fix the big fix is God saving our souls allowing us to go to heaven and then recreating the earth to its original intention until then everybody listen to me until then we get exactly what Adam and Eve chose the knowledge of good and evil and all that goes with it and all of these different times like I was just reading in Ecclesiastes and so the question that you have to ask yourself is are you ready for game time because it's upon you right now the world is at turmoil, and it's only going to get worse. Let me read a few more scriptures. Because even though I don't want to live with a woe-is-me apocalyptic mentality, I need to understand that the apocalypse, what movies have been made about, are actually in the Bible, these events, and I need to be ready for them. Let me give you a couple scriptures right here so that you can follow along with me. If you're getting this today on Zoom, somebody say amen. If you're getting it live on Facebook and you're getting it, somebody say amen there. It's game time, baby. There's a reason and a season for everything. Look at what Jesus said in John 16, 31 through 33. He said, do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. So Jesus even prophesied that there's going to come a time where destruction will come to these individual folks 
and they're going to have to even leave their home. They're going to lose out on what they have. They're going to be scattered to their own home, starting there. Everybody got to run. And then from their home, they're going to get scattered across the earth. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Excuse me, let me change the context here. This is not the destruction of Jerusalem. This is them forsaking Jesus. I have the destruction of Jerusalem coming next, where they have to run to the hills and not even stop at home. So just please forgive me on that. I'm excited. See, it's game time for me, baby. Do I got your attention? Did the coronavirus get your attention? Did the stocks crashing get your attention? See, he said, I'm about ready to be crucified. You're going to run away and you're going to go to your own home. You're going to run and hide. So he knows that even at certain times in our lives, we may get scared and have to run and hide. Now, I believe we're using wisdom, quarantining ourselves, being in the home. But Jesus said things could get so bad that they would have to run and hide. Yet he said, I'm not alone. For my Father is with me. So even those of us who are being quarantined right now, we're not alone. God is with us. So don't be afraid. God's on your side, even if you feel like you're at home all alone. But now listen to this. He said not only about this situation, but about all situations. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. The Bible says that these things will come upon us. Now let me go to the destruction of Jerusalem and to the apocalyptic times that we're going to face. He says, watch out in Luke chapter 21, verse 8. Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. Listen, we've been watching all these goofy antichrists come around, from David Koresh to Reverend Sung Young Moon to all of these different cult leaders, and we're just saying, oh, this is, this is just normal that these are that there are false Christs out in the world today. No, Jesus said that they will increase towards the end of time, and this will be a sign to us. Verse 9, when you hear of wars and uprising, do not be frightened. Now, we know there's always been wars, but as the time increases, this will increase as well. It says, don't be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. So the end is not right away when all the problems are coming. So even if you're like me and you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, that means before it all goes to hell in a handbasket, the church gets raptured away. If you even believe that like me, you still have to believe that things will get bad before that even happens. So you have to be prepared for the intro of bad before you get the full meal of bad. We're not getting out of this, uh, you know, without getting some scars, some bumps and bruises. We're not getting out of this. As a matter of fact, talk to the Christians in China right now and see how they're doing. The Christians in China are not like, well, you know what? We're living the American dream. We're living the Chinese dream. No, they're all, Christians are already being arrested. That's why I wear this bracelet to remind me of the persecuted church. We're sitting here in America like, rapture me, Jesus. Rapture me, Lord, because I shouldn't suffer. You promised that I wouldn't. No, God's like, what do you think they've been doing the last 100 years, 200 years? What do you think it's been like to be a Christian in Nigeria right now with Boko Haram, right? Come on. It's going to get bad. We, thankfully, have just been in a free nation, which I believe is the best nation, and it has provided for us a lot of opportunities. But what's going to happen when those opportunities go away? When we no longer have our freedom, or we no longer have our hospitals, or we no longer have our stock market, we're going to be just like the whole world has already been. And that's not even the end, the Bible says. That's the beginning of the end. Keep going. Then nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places, and fearful events. 
great signs from heaven. Now listen, people might have been able to say like, well, that's true 2,000 years ago. They're going to have famines and they're going to have pestilences. But, but we're smarter than that. We have vaccines now. We have agricultural business now. We have export and import. This could never happen. So much for a human utopia. The greatest nation on the earth is on lockdown right now, fighting over toilet paper. There's already been fights. There's already been arrests. So much for our utopian society keeping us from these end time things. And this carnivorous, uh, uh, coronavirus, rather, this coronavirus is so silly in comparison to what the other stuff is going to be. I don't mean like, like it's a joke to those who haven't. I'm saying it is going to be like McDonald's Playland in comparison to when the pestilences come across this earth. Like if we can't handle this now, this is a joke compared to what's coming out next. A few thousand die here now. Only a few, uh, what is that? A few hundred thousand of Chinese people got it. Imagine if 500 million Chinese people get a disease. Once again, I'm not making light of those who have it. I'm just saying in comparison, we would wish for the coronavirus once these famines and pestilences come on us. We would say, hey, if, if we've got to choose between, you know, uh, uh, you know, 0.001% of the world's population dying, whatever corona has come out to the just a few thousand, we, uh, you know, really want to be compassionate towards everyone's life. But hear me on this. We would say we'd rather have 0.000 death on the earth than what a famine or disease talked about in the Bible is going to be, where it's going to be a quarter of the earth's population a quarter of the earth 25 percent dying in a day or dying in a, a period of time it says that there will be fearful events and great signs from heaven continuing on to verse 25 of luke it says uh, luke 21 says there'll be signs in the sun moon and stars so imagine all this going on world's going to probably say it's aliens. You know, look at what the aliens are doing. And then the Antichrist is going to come up with his false prophet and deceive people and say, look, we got a cure. We've got power. We can communicate with these powers. It says in the, in the earth, on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Verse 26, it says people will faint from terror. People will faint. They'll literally be like, and faint from terror, the Bible says, apprehensive, fearful about what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, you will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads. Come on, somebody say, lift up your head. Come on, child, lift up your head. Because the Bible says your redemption is drawing near. Somebody say game time. Come on, say it like you mean it. It's game time, baby. Why is it game time? Because this is what we were made for. We were made for adversity. You were made for these troubled times. Christianity was birthed in adversity. Christianity was birthed during the time of death and disease, during the time of persecution. You were made for this. And as I was mentioning before, the Bible says, that Jerusalem serves as a microcosm of the church and the whole world. And so Jerusalem went through a destruction in 70 AD. Jerusalem went through a time of all of these curses in a small sense in that time. And the Bible says that's what it's going to be like upon the whole earth when he comes back. And so we'll be shaken if we're not right with God. But for me, I'm not scared. I'm prepared. I'm not scared. I'm prepared. Y'all listening? I'm not going to let what the devil has, I'm not going to let what God has cursed to get me upset. 
Because if God has cursed this earth, it is what it is, baby. He said that the earth was cursed because of Adam and Eve. Women, you want to know why it hurts when you give birth? Because of the curse. Women, you want to know why you're the weaker vessel? And I know there's a lot of women like Ronda Rousey who could beat me up. But, you know, she probably couldn't beat up, you know, the, the UFC guys champion. So why on average are men stronger than women? Because of the curse. In the, in the time of Adam and Eve, before the curse, uh, Eve could whoop up Adam just as, as easy as Eve. Of Adam could whoop up Eve. They were equal. Childbirth was not supposed to have any pain, and the Bible says that the earth was blessed, and yet right now it's cursed. Sickness is upon the earth, disease is upon the earth, earthquakes, and all God is going to do is just pull back a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more of his canopy of blessing, so it gets worse and worse at the end that we wake up and get ready for his second coming. You know, you talk to an atheist and they say, you ask him, where did the world come from? And they say, oh, it came from a big bang. It came from a big bang. Who banged it, Jack? And what bang? From nothing, nothing comes. You know, you, you talk to people who say they're real smart. I don't believe in God. I believe in science. I believe in, well, where do you think science came from? You discovered it with your mind. Where was science before your mind discovered it? Where was the law of gravity before you stumbled on it, uh, Sir Isaac Newton? It was in the mind of God, in his creative power and ability. And by the way, Sir Isaac Newton wrote more about the Bible than he did about science. Are you listening? You can be a Christian and believe in science. Of course, I believe in both, you nincompoop. I don't have to give up God to believe in science. My God created science. My God ordered the universe. That's why it's the same, uh, the same way every time I do that test and boil water. is because God gave the universe uniformitarity. He said, this is what it will be like until the end. Seasons will come and go. The, the, the earth will rotate around the sun, etc. These would be the, the stable conditions of our earth. God put it that way. And so, my friends, let me ask you a question. What are you going to do right now? What are you going to do? Because for me, I feel like this has been practice. Because even if the coronavirus isn't as bad as whatever can happen in the future, this woke you up, didn't it? It got you to take your hope out of the stock market. And I'm ready here to pastor you. I'm ready. We got a church, people. Come on, somebody. We've got a church of leaders to pastor you. Everybody say hi again. We've got, we got leaders and disciple makers ready to pastor you. We're not here to just tell you everything is going to be all right. You're going to lose people in life. You know, a church, it can, it can be just as bad as uh, Disney World when it comes to make-believe sometimes. How can I promise you this is going to be the best year of your life like all these pastors preach? Man, I don't know if this is the best year of your life. We've already had somebody lose their spouse. We've already had people bury their spouse and they're younger than me. That's not the best year of his life. But how are you going to go through the worst year of your life? Come on, somebody. How are you going to go through the things that terrify you, that make you afraid? Don't be afraid. In Jesus' name, be brave. Everything up until this point in my life and in the church's life, has, I believe, has been but practice compared to what's ahead. Because I'm not saying we're the only church, but many churches don't know how to handle this. All they want to do is just get you back into the sanctuary to preach another sermon to you about how you're going to make it and you're beautifully broken, but God still loves you and all of that. I mean, that there's truth in that. I get that. But that's not the message for an end time church. The end time church isn't just Jesus loves you and you're going to make it. The message to the end time church, I'm going to read it to you right now, is repent. Somebody say repent. Come on, say it like you mean it. Put it up there on Facebook. Put it up there on Zoom, wherever you're at. 
the preachers preaching. How many of you guys are excited to be in this virtual church right now? The message to the end time church is repent to the angel of the church and Laodicea write. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness. This is Revelation 3.14. The ruler of God's creation. I know the ruler of God's creation who's in charge of this. His name is Jesus. And he, bar he bears in his hands and on his feet the marks of the cross to carry the curse and reverse it in Jesus' name. Because upon him was laid all sickness, including the coronavirus. On him was laid every disease. On him was laid up every wickedness of man, all the sins of the world, and all the sorrows we could ever face. On him was laid sin, sorrow, and sickness. Everything we don't like about the world was laid on him so that we could be redeemed in Jesus' name. That's why he went to the cross. Some people just mock the Christian faith and go, that was just a bad weekend for Jesus. How, how is that really vicarious for us? All the suffering of the Holocaust, all the suffering of children being abused. How does one bad weekend, 72 hours, whatever, take it, it all away? They don't understand the cross. God came out of heaven to earth. Just him stepping across that threshold showed the greatest humility and love the world has ever seen. And then upon his soul, his infinite soul, he took all the sin of mankind and all the sickness and sorrows in a way that we'll never understand until we see him face to face. But I can help you understand just a little bit. How is it I can download all my library here? How is it I can download all my library, all of this 1,500 books, but in two minutes on my logo software? Because we have technology that now we understand. But if I was to ask somebody back then, do you believe that on my phone I have all of these books? No, they would look at the, the one book and they would look at my phone and go, how could that transaction even happen? How, how can you fit this onto this? Because they don't understand it. But there on the cross, the infinite God took all of our sins, downloaded it on his soul so that you and I could be saved. This is what God says to the end time church. I know your deeds, verse 15, that you are neither cold nor hot. Too many lukewarm people hanging around. He said, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about ready to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I'm an American. I got a lot of money. I'm a European. He said, you say I'm rich. You say I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. How does it feel now that your bubbles burst? Come on, somebody. But you don't realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You are tore up from the floor up. You need a checkup from the neck up. He said this. This is what he said to him. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white with clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Come on, somebody say it's game time. It's game time, folks. It's time for us to get the message out of repentance and turning to the things of God. It's time for us as a church to wake up to what God has for us. We weren't made to fish in a barrel, as I said before. We weren't made just to march in parades or just to be there on good days and paydays. Christianity was made for the problems and the sorrows and the suffering of this world. It was designed, it was hammered in adversity to be the strongest organization and organism this planet has ever known. You were meant 
like Esther in a time of calamity to recognize your place and say, for such a time as this, I've been brought here. This is my generation. You might have looked back at the others of the Black Plague and said, how did the Christians get through that? You know, I got books here of all these heroes of the faith. You know, how did these folks go through the things that they went through? The holiness traditions, the Pentecostals. How did these people make it through the Spanish flu and the influenza and all of these different things? How did people make it through the persecutions of their nations? How did they go into other parts of the world that had never even been explored to give the gospel? They went there not in fear, not being fearful, but in courage. Does it mean that we won't always feel fear? Of course you'll feel fear. You, you, you get somebody in a situation that they're not comfortable with, they're feel, they will feel fear. The first time I felt fear like that, really, in a real way, was when I was on a plane and they said the landing gear doesn't work. <laughs> I was uncomfortable. I was fearful. Other times I felt fear is when I was in the inner city preaching and they said they wanted to kill me <laughs> and they chased me down the street. Are you listening? Yeah, situation might make you afraid, but listen, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Jesus Christ will overcome the fear that you and I are feeling. It's the facts of God's word over the feelings of, war, of, of fear. It's the facts of God's word over fear. Fear, false evidence appearing real. My friends, this is game time. One more scripture before we go. Jesus said that in the end times, we ought to be ready to take our stand even when persecution comes. Now, right now, uh, right now you might be saying, Pastor, all we're dealing with is the coronavirus. Yeah, but imagine this. For the Jewish people during the Holocaust, there was diseases going around at that time. There was upheaval of the world. The world was at war. And there was all kinds of calamity happening with famines and all kinds of things that made their life uncomfortable. But on top of all of that, somebody say on top of all of that, they said, let's kill these Jews. Think about the Germans. Here they're taking their resources and their soldiers, and instead of going on the front line and fighting to win a war, they're taking a lot of those resources, putting them into concentration camps, putting them into their ovens, putting them into their guards, so that they can mass exterminate, or try at least, a whole entire race of people. Now just, just come to that conclusion on your own why they would do that. I think it's a demonic lie that they bought into. I think the devil used the German army and deceived them to think about world power just so he could get the uh, Jewish people to try to be eradicated. In other words, the devil wanted the Holocaust more than he wanted the war. But if he said, I can throw the world into war and get the Holocaust and that's what it will take. This devil's smart, y'all. Don't fall for his deception. Now, Jesus says during this time, watch this. In the book of Matthew 24, 4 through 14, it says, don't anybody deceive you about the false Christ and antichrist. We read about that already in Luke. Nation rising up against nations, these famines and earthquakes. Okay, like we get that, we get that. But then now watch in verse nine. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. So imagine the end times getting so bad that everywhere you look, you can't find food, there's famines. Everywhere you look, there's disease. And there's this calamity going on and there's war. And yet in the midst of that, your neighbor's like, I want to kill you. I want you to die. I don't know how they'll convince the people to do it. 
the Nazis convinced the world that the Jewish people was the reasons for all of these things, that they were the rats spreading the diseases and that they were a part of the, the curse on the German people that made Germany lose wars. They became superstitious and felt literally that by ridding their nation of the Jews, they were doing good for the majority of people. Isn't that just what pragmatism is? If the majority is helped, who cares what happens to the minority? How long do you think it will be before a world leader says, hey, let's, let's come up with a solution that we can all agree with. We don't like these Christians, right? We all agree with that. They're judgmental. They get in the way of all of our, our, our worldly ideas. And hey, you know what? They're probably spreading diseases in their church meetings. And, and you know what? They're saying we're going to hell anyways. And they don't want to join with us as we're worshiping the Antichrist. So you know what? Let's just kill them all. Maybe that will make our society better. The Bible says it will happen at that time. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Now watch this. Because of the increase of wickedness. Now notice wickedness deceives the people. It's not just wickedness is bad things. Wickedness is like the things you find fun that God says is a sin. So because they can do all this wickedness now, excuse me, and get away with it, the Bible says they will grow cold in their heart. Oh man, I was told by the church not to have sex outside of marriage, but the world says I can. The church told me that homosexuality was a sin, that God loved me the way I was, but too much to let me stay that way. But they want to accept me. And so their heart will grow cold as wickedness increases. He said in verse 13, here's the encouragement coming to the closing. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, and only then, will the end come. It's game time. Game time for what, pastor? To preach the gospel to all the nations, making disciples of them. That's what it's time for. This should be motivation for us. This should be a reminder that 2,000 years ago, Jesus' prophecies are still coming true. He prophesied that the destruction of the temple would happen in 70 AD. He prophesied that around 33 AD. It happened. He prophesied that false Christs would come. My friend, why aren't there a bunch of false, you know, other religious leaders like from Zoroastrianism or false followers, uh, false uh, people calling to be, to be Zeus of the other religions? How did Christianity not only outlast all of these major religions at that time but yet these specific prophecies happen very seldom does someone walk around saying i'm muhammad yet there are thousands of false people walking around saying i am christ he not only prophesied that his religion his way of living his belief system in other words would make it to the end but that it would be uh so so uh deceiving that people would try to be like uh his religion would be so great uh, in in, in uh, bringing his message that people would try to take away the uh, the power of Christianity by pretending to be him. And yet that's happened. And then he said there would be famines, there would be earthquakes, there would be all these things, friends. It's not just that the world has always been crazy. It's getting crazier. And I hope that you're ready. I hope that you're ready. I'm going to talk to those watching by Zoom right now. I hope that you're ready. It's game time. It's time to give God all that we have. Those here today in our church that are considered to be our leaders and our disciples in training, I pray today that you give your full heart, your full love to Jesus Christ and that you don't have the end time fear that the world has and that you stand on the word of God. 
that you today, you today make it your prayer, your desire to be God's end time soldier. I pray that everyone listening to me, everybody watching me, that you wake up and realize everything else has just been practiced compared to this. We're not here acting like we're better than anybody else. Does anybody think I'm better than you? Does anybody think that? No, but we are better off, aren't we? What makes us better off? What makes us better off today is that we have the power of the gospel. That's what makes us better off today. It's not that we have done anything in and of ourselves. It is that today we are the gospel preachers that he has set apart for the end times. He has given us the calling to do this. Every generation has had their own calling to do what God has called them to do. Every generation. And those listening by Facebook right now, I know these folks here are saved, but if you're not saved right now, get saved. Some of you used to hear preaching like this. I know I got friends all over the country. A lot of you grew up listening to preachers like this, but you started going to churches where they give you, uh, you know, 30 minute motivational speeches now with a guy in tight pants and he reminds you of uh, Peter Pan or something. Listen to me, my friends. You need to wake up. If you are not right with God, get right with God. And if you have known this message and you have not been living it and you got caught up by the stock market and you got caught up with your kids and your family, I work hard for this and I don't have time for church. How's that going for you now? I hope that God has shaken your world up a little bit to show you that this is not around forever. And I thank God that we got plans in place in this country to make a recovery. And we very might well. But what are you going to do when the end times get worse? What are you going to do when the next thing comes and the next thing comes? I want to encourage you to live for Jesus now. Give your heart to Jesus now. I want all of our prayer workers in the Zoom meeting to go through all of these chats and make sure that we got all these prayers, our prayer requests, because if you have them right now, put them up in the name of Jesus. Stay woke, somebody said. That's right. Stay woke. This is not a joke. The earth is cursed. The devil is loose. It's time for us to serve Jesus. It's game time. It's time for us to preach. It's time for us to tell the world he is coming and he wants to save you. Let me pray for you. Then I'm going to go back to my Zoom meeting and pray for these wonderful disciples. But let me pray for you right now. All those who are watching, go to these prayer requests. Make sure you're praying for them. My leaders are praying for you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we lift up to you our country. We lift up to you this nation and those around the world as well who are suffering during this time. And we pray for your power in our hour of weakness to be shown to be strong. Make us brave, O oh God. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Help us to find cures and help us to vaccinate and do all these things right. And at the same time, Lord, help prepare us for the worst things to come. Help us to stand strong in this end time generation. Help us to be in the game of the gospel and to preach it to the whole world. And for those who don't know you, to accept you, to call you Lord, to bow at your feet, to repent of their sins. If that's you today, just say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose again to give me new life. I receive you now. Lord, I pray for all of us who say we know you as well, to live for you now, to be bold as lions in the face of adversity. And should we be alive as it gets worse, 
May your light in us get greater and stronger. As the world gets darker, may your light become greater. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'll see you back here next week, around the same time. I'll see you here, or I'll see you there at the church or another one of our meeting places, or I'll see you up there in heaven. So here, there, or in the air, I'll see you folks. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.